everyone. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm drawn by Matt Dumichel, Assistant General Manager with the Leamington Flyers. Matt, like our last guest Alex Matheson, is returning to the podcast for the second time, having conducted my own interview on an earlier episode. After talking with Matt in the months following that interview, I quickly learned that he had his own unique story to share with experiences across multiple sports. With humor and a personable demeanor, Matt offers a lot of great insight throughout the interview and a story or two that will inspire listeners to take that next step in their own pursuit. With that, I am happy to present Matt Dumichel. Assistant General Manager with the Leamington Flyers. Today I'm joined by Matthew Michelle, Assistant General Manager with the Leamington Flyers. Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, Ryan. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you again. Um, you know, it, it feels like uh, it's only yesterday. It might have been a little longer than that for sure. But, uh, you know, you were on the podcast episode with me and able to do my interview. And it's nice to uh, finally return the favor and get you on and I know you have a pretty unique background compared to some of the guests that we've had on so a lot to learn here so let's just dive right into it tell people a little bit about yourself including where you're from talk about your upbringing and then uh, maybe touch on your involvement in sports throughout your youth yeah sure absolutely uh, I gotta warn you at first you're, you're asking an old radio guy to talk about himself though so this could uh, this could go on for a while but um, <laughs> I was uh, I'm born and raised in Windsor Ontario um, great upbringing uh, with, with uh, two wonderful parents and, and a younger sister. Um, sports had always been a part of my life um, since, since I, I really knew what, what was going on with most of it. And it was always baseball for me. So when I was younger, baseball was, was my game. I, I played house league in, in Windsor, no real competitive level or, or anything like that. But uh, I lived and breathed Tiger baseball and, and getting a chance to, to have Detroit so close to where we are back before, you know, everything was held up with a border and, and everything that's happened since, you know, you could go over to a Tiger game. We could leave our house and be, you know, in, in our left field seats in about 25 minutes or so. So it was easy access across the border to get over there and see Major League Baseball, professional football, uh, NBA, NHL. It was it was awesome. So it was a, a great place to grow up. And, and being back here now, it's uh, you know one of the, one of the best uh, experiences that I've had uh, uh, being in Windsor and, and being from here and, and having access to to that kind of uh, uh, market so close yeah. so close by. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And uh, I always talk to people who are in those you know border cities with the U.S. and major city like Detroit or. For people who are football fans near Buffalo, you always enjoy the benefits of jumping on in the car and going across the border and taking in those events. And, um, you know, I always yeah. love baseball as well. And Tigers were, uh, were a pretty good team in the day and some pretty good players to go through there. So uh, great to hear that you were able to, uh, you know, stay close with the team and, and be so close and, uh, you know, get to have those experiences. So, you know, a yeah, lot of people. Very cool. We, we used to go over again, uh, I'd be able to go over on like double headers. The, one of my favorite memories is I went over on, uh, to, to see a double header. Um, the Seattle Mariners were in town in Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie year. Um, so I, I, I got to see Griffey like this. This kid's unbelievable. So we went over for the first game. I think the Tigers lost like 11 to 2. 
he hit a home run. We ended up going to leave. The usher stops us and says, hey, where, where are you going? I said, oh, we don't have tickets to the second game. So just walk around and come back in, the, in half an hour or so. I'll remember you guys and, and take your seats again. So we stayed for the second game and, and got to sit in the same seats right by the dugout. And I think the Tigers lost that one 13 to 1. And Griffey hit another home run. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So uh, it, was, it was great. It was uh, a lot of fun uh, uh, growing up here and, and having access to that kind of market and, and those, uh, those kind of teams. I, I got a lot of hell when I went up to Toronto for college being a Detroit sports fan, but uh, you know, when they'd come down and see just how close Detroit was to us, they, they understood. Yeah, the jealousy, I'd say, is the aspect that they were picking at there. But no, that's a, it's an amazing story to hear about the usher and things like that. I love when people in sports are willing to uh, you know, recognize a fan and give them a helping hand where possible. So like I said, when a lot of people are baseball fans, the first dream is become a professional baseball player. Uh, some people realize they want to get involved in other areas of the game. And broadcasting is one of those that uh, tend to be tied heavily with baseball. So for you, uh, there was some relation there to media and radio and stuff like that. Just talk about your early career aspirations and maybe schooling and things like that and kind of how it led to eventually covering sports early on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yes, it was always sports for me. Like I, I went to um, uh, college at Humber College and took the radio broadcasting program there uh, with the intention of, of getting into sports. Um, I had the opportunity after that to go up to Owen Sound and work uh, in Owen Sound for about three and a half years uh, at the news uh, radio stations there. So I did news and it was a reporter. Um, and along with that, had the opportunity to work with Rogers Television and host the Owen Sound Attack games uh, on, on their, their channel. So that was my first real introduction into hockey and, and being around hockey and, and those uh, types of uh, uh, people and settings and, and all of that. And, and, and absolutely loved it. You know, I, I had a great uh, opportunity to be up there when Mike Fudo was the general manager in, in the attack and uh, Mike Stuthers was the head coach and Bobby Ryan was a junior player when we were up there. So we got to see some, some really good Owen Sound teams. And again, that was really the first introduction to getting to do something like that. Um, so it was always, it was always going to be sports for me somehow. So I, I worked with, uh, in, in Owen Sound for about three and a half years, uh, came back to Windsor in 2006 and co-hosted a uh, morning show on uh, 100.7, 95, one, the rock. It's, it's a different station now, but, uh, and I was there with, um, my co-host Craig Venn, it was rock mornings with Craig and Matt and, and we, uh, we had a hell of a time for about five and a half years and, uh, and then radio being a really difficult industry and market to be in. I got let go in 2012. Um, and then after that, um, I had an opportunity to get interviewed at the Fan 590 um, for a, a news anchor position there. Um, was called by the program director afterwards and basically told that they're promoting somebody from within. But if that guy wasn't from within, I was going to get that job. So. My last, uh, I guess, pull with, with radio or the last shot that I had with radio was, was coming this close to getting a, a job at the biggest sports radio station in, in Canada. So I figured at that point, if, if my radio career was done, that's not a bad way to go out. Yeah, no, definitely a, a, a nice dream to, uh, to chase. And knowing that you're that close, it uh, you know, maybe made you hungry for, for different things in your career. But like you say, if, if that's where it ended, that was a, a pretty good run kind of thing. But uh, before we go into his other roles, maybe just uh, continue on with the Owen Sound Attack and your time there and just speak to maybe some of your favorite memories in that role and then some of the people that you were able to interact with on a pretty daily basis. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the radio station itself, there were two guys that, that really um, stood out for me and, and still do. Uh, Manny Pava is uh, was the news director. He was the guy that, that hired me um, and got me my first job in radio. Since then, he I mean, he was up there for 20-something years. He's since moved down to Windsor. Uh, he's still my best friend in the world, and, and we get to hang out a couple times a week, and, uh, and he's... I've learned a lot from him and, and his friendship and, and the relationship I've got with him has, has meant a lot to me as well. And, uh, and Fred Wallace is the play-by-play uh, broadcaster up in Owen Sound and, and there's, there's no one in the business that's better than Freddie. Freddie is uh, one of the funniest people I know and, and uh, a consummate professional and a guy that I really learned a lot from uh, just getting to, to sit in the newsroom and, and watch him operate every day. Um, I still get the, the opportunity and the, the blessing to call attack games with him on 560 CFOS when they're down in Windsor or uh, we go up to Sarnia uh, Saginaw and, and Flint uh, the odd time so I still get an opportunity to do those games with Fred and, and that's something I always look forward to but um, you know on the hockey side uh, being up there again Mike Futa was was an outstanding guy um, was great to us and was great for me um, coming up to having not having the hockey experience I guess uh, in that time I learned a lot from from Futes when we were up there Mike Stuther has had a great relationship with him David Bowles assistant coach up there Brian O'Leary um, and then getting to interact with those players you know I was I wasn't that much older than them when I was there and, and it was cool to see them you know at the level that they are and and also know the level that they're going to right you know Bobby Ryan was always going to be a superstar um, Corey Perry who just uh, in the Stanley Cup finals when London would come to town, I would get to interview guys in the intermission. So one of the thrills that I got was to interview the best player on the other team. So, you know, when London come to town, we'd be able to take our pick, but Corey Perry was great. One of the, one of my favorite uh, stories of games that I did up there, uh, Corey was doing an interview with us in intermission. So where the locker room was for them was in the opposite corner of where I was for the, the broadcast. So he would have to skate across the ice. Well, it just so happened he was about three quarters of the way over. And the announcer uh, started calling for uh, Chuck a puck to start. So it's three, two, one, and here come pucks flying like crazy. And he was dodging bullets. I tell you, I don't think there was anybody aiming at center ice. I think they may have been <laughs> aiming at the at the wing uh, where, where Corey Perry was coming at the time. And he got off. He said, "Man, uh, what, what's going on out here? You can't wait another twenty seconds for for me to get off the ice and, and do the interview." So I, I always got a great kick out of that. And, and one of the things that I, I, I started doing near the end was. Uh, collecting uh, the OHL cards. So I'd bring the cards with me to the game and, and get some some autographs uh, on the cards of the guys that we interview. And, and again, you talk in the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, at a, an autograph, Steven Stamkos, Sarnia Sting card, and Mark Stahl, who just got traded to the uh, the Red Wings, and, and Corey Perry. So there's there's some, uh, some real cool stories. But again, the first interaction for me for hockey and seeing these these kids that, you know, were destined to uh, to be some of the best players on the planet in, in the best league in the world. So it was a, a really cool experience. And it was one of the first times that being on the media side of things, but interacting with the team that I, I was really, you know, this is, is going to be part of, of what I do the rest of my life. Yeah. I love those stories about that, that exposure. And for people, um, you know, who kind of talk to me and ask for advice or, or people I've talked with, it's always say, whether it's in hockey operations or somewhere else, get involved with the team because, you know, even in a role like you're broadcasting, you get involved with the players, you get to talk with the personnel, the, the general managers, the coaches, you know, you, you guys walk past each other in the halls, you build those connections and, and you learn a lot. And that definitely helped uh, help you later in your career, you know? For sure. So 
moving on now, uh, the next position I wanted to talk about is your time with the London Rippers uh, as the director of media relations. Uh, just talk about that experience in baseball and, and really being able to take on uh, more of an overall role in media and, and some of the things that you learned uh, during your time there. Yeah, so I got let go from the radio station um, in uh, February 2012. Um, so this would have been the summer of 2012 that, uh, that this team had, had started up. And I had just seen a couple of stories about it in the news that uh, there was going to be a, a professional uh, Canadian baseball team in, in the Frontier League is the league they played in. So that was, uh, London was the only Canadian team that was going to be in this league. There was a bunch, there's, you know, a lot near bigger cities in the States. So just outside Chicago, there was one in Kentucky, a couple in Pennsylvania, Ohio, all, of, all in around there, Indiana. Uh, and then there was one in London. So um, I basically put a resume together and, and sent a couple of things to the contacts that were on the website. Um, they had reached out and said they were going to be doing a fan fest in London uh, if I could come up and meet everybody. So drove up to London, which is only about two hours from here, and uh, had a chance to, to meet with them. And, and they offered me a position. And, and it was a tough choice at the time because um, it was going to be like I was going to have to live in London and I was doing all the road trips and all of that. And um, my, my uh, family was in Windsor, my girlfriend was in Windsor and, and all of that stuff. So it was a uh, uh, difficult choice, end of the day. But you know, there was a moment when I was sitting in, in my parents' living room and we were all kind of talking about it. And I said, uh, I can't believe I'm, I'm thinking about turning down a job in sports. And my dad had said, well, well, why? Like, don't, just, you know, take it, I'm, you know, see, see where it goes. So, um, so I took the job and it really was, Ryan, it was the, one of the best summers of my life. Like it was, it was everything that Bull Durham is in, in real life. We'd play three games in, in a row in a town, get on the bus and drive overnight 13 hours to the next city. You wouldn't know what day of the week it was. Um, and it was just you on the road, you know, the, our, our manager and our, our coaching staff, myself and the players. So we got, we, we grew together so tight and it was it was such a great relationship that uh, that it developed with that team it, they ran into all kinds of money problems the, the organization was was not in good shape uh, from from the get-go so we didn't even make it through the first season but um, it really was uh, solidified for me that the team side and, and being involved in that kind of thing you know I was the director of media relations but I was putting out programs uh, I was putting out media releases I was signing guys uh, I was helping in the locker room, clean up afterwards. Like you're really, you're, we're doing everything and it would be 12, 13 hour days every day. And we just loved every single minute of it. It was so much fun. Um, and, and really, um, disappointing how it all ended with that team, but, um, grateful that was introduced to that side of, of what that business is like. And, and, you know, now, uh, obviously that was just kind of the starting point for me. Yeah, for sure. And those opportunities that you get to get your hands dirty in all the different areas, uh, regardless of what your title is, I think those are the, where you really see, is this what you want to do? Or is it a little bit too much for me? And those long days and the bus rides and things like that uh, start to pile up. But um, I think after a few weeks in that kind of job, you really realize that, you know, this is where I'm meant to be. And, and this is what I wanted to do, you know, for the rest of your career. So. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, um, my my girlfriend was a little lonely back home at the time, and she wanted to get, to get a, a pet. She had a, a dog, and uh, she wanted to get a pet. And I said, "Well, if you're going to get a pet, I'm, I'm going to name it." So she got a cat, and I named it Crash Davis, the, the the character from from Bull Durham. And 
and Crash is still uh, still running around today. Um, but uh, no, it was it was great. It, it really was, you know, exactly what that movie makes it look like. I had the opportunity to live it, and, and you know, that's to me one of the best movies, sports movies of all time. And and to be able to reflect on some of those nights that we had were uh, were really cool. Definitely, you can live through the memories of that as well. Uh, you know, the next position that would come would be the director of basketball operations with the Windsor Express. Uh, mm. Talk about that transition into basketball, another area that I'm very interested in hearing about. And, uh, you know, how was your term there and, and working on that side of sports? Yeah, absolutely. And there was a situation again, um, the, the baseball season had ended um, prematurely for us, but I was back home and, and uh, there was a, a professional basketball team that was being launched in Windsor. You know, it's uh, extremely lucky just for for some of the you know right place at the right time and, and all of that and and you know there's also the extent of when something like that presents itself going after it right so um, I'd reached out to the the guys on the team and and see if there was anything I could do to help uh, out for the year we discussed the media side but um, it's we're really looking for somebody that can be kind of a jack of all trades so um, again I had the opportunity to join that team and was writing press releases and was, uh, you know, washing jerseys and helping out at practice. And uh, we had an old a cargo van, basically an old eight seater van that uh, I would drive from where the, the players stayed at, at their, um, their home or their apartments and, and drive them to practice and drive them to games and take them to doctor's appointments. And, and it was, you know, again, all kinds of different things that, that you can think of because we were such a small staff at the time there was, Aside from coaching staff, I think there were four of us as far as employees. So, you know, there's a marketing coordinator, but the marketing coordinator is also doing some sponsorship stuff. And she's also selling tickets and she's also making sure that the players get to public appearances at times. So, you know, it, getting into the grassroots like that was so great um, because you really get to, to put your hands on, on everything. And uh, it was a chance for me to travel. Like we said at the beginning, before we, we started recording, I, I was traveling with the team and there were four teams out east. So uh, for the first time in my life, I got to go out east to, to Halifax and St. John and Moncton and, and PEI and, and see what that was like. And, and luckily enough, in my time that I was there, uh, we won two championships. Um, so we got two rings uh, sitting in my, my dresser right now that, I, you know, I always, uh, I always look at and, and reflect on and I've got two kids now and one of them is going to get each of them and, and the chance to just pass something like that down is, uh, you know, in itself uh, a blessing. So it was a great time with them. And, and, you know, unfortunately at the time uh, that I had left, um, my daughter had been born and, and it was a seasonal job and it was time for, for me to kind of, I guess, grow up a little bit and get a, a full-time gig. So I, I did that, but, um, you know, and that's when the, the next transition was, how can I stay, still be involved in, in sports? And, and again, uh, the next, next move for me was, was to hockey. Yeah. And we'll jump right into that position. I just wanted to first reference, uh, you know, it's not very often you get to go into a new team and, and come out with two championships like that. And, and to have that heirloom to pass on to your kids, you know, one for each of them, that's, uh, it's pretty outstanding that you had that opportunity. So uh, definitely something that listeners can relate to in that way and something that everybody wishes that, you know, they had the opportunity to go through something like that. So moving into hockey here, uh, talk about your first position in hockey with the Amherst Admirals uh, as assistant general manager and just, you know, some of the tasks and skill sets that you uh, brought from other sports that you were now using in hockey. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that that I've learned in, in that transition and going from 
you know, doing some, some hockey uh, in, in Owen Sound and, and then going to baseball and basketball and, and uh, to hockey again. It's, it's really, you know, the, the games are different. The strategy is different. Um, you know, the way that the, the players are treated or, or how they act is, is different. The age groups are different um, and, and all of that stuff. But really, the, the whole thing just comes down to communication. You know, communication and, and just caring about people. Um, you know, if you're a good communicator, um, if you can express your opinions, if you, how you feel, um, you're open to um, making adjustments to your way of thinking either or, or the way that you, you um, do your job on a, on a regular basis um, and just being able to have that interaction with different levels of people. You know, I, I was going from 15-year-old uh, hockey players to 27-year-old basketball players who, you know, were on the decline and were playing because they, they didn't know what else they were going to do. They played basketball for so long. So, you know, you, you learn so many different mindsets and, and so many different places and where people are at that time when you're interact, interacting with them, that the communication is, is the biggest thing. It's, it's developing that trust and developing that rapport with somebody. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in hockey or in baseball or you know, if you work at a restaurant or, you know, an office building or, or something like that, having that skill, I, I was blessed to, to, to be able to communicate uh, well and, and to work on that skill and, and develop it and continue to develop it. Um, but to be able to create those relationships, it, that's the thing that will always will always be part of no matter what sports or, or career opportunity you, you have is, is to have that ability. But I mean, outside of that, it, you know, being able to to bring some of those skills that that we had done, you know, with Amherstburg, I, I was new to hockey, so I really wasn't involved in the hockey side of things. I was really, you know, I was coordinating volunteers, uh, setting up uh, when we we sold tickets. Um, I did some, I played some of the music. I was the in arena announcer, and things like that, and then track stats. And that was the first time that I really got into to hockey statistics. And I mean, we weren't breaking the mold by any stretches was tracking face-offs and, and you know, locations and, and uh, where they were, who's placing who, what, what arm they are, and, and you know, just kind of learning like that. But that's really where I had the opportunity to learn the game and, and really where, where the obsession with the game uh, was, was born. Yeah, it's always uh, those places where you don't always expect it to come is where those, uh, you know, underlying drive for the game really breaks out and uh, again, it's another opportunity where you were able to take multiple things and, and make it your own. And whether it's the, uh, you know, tracking stats or the in arena announcer and uh, I have friends that do those kind of things and they're very successful and learn a lot about the game of hockey uh, through that job and um, the communication that you touched on. I think that's very key. Uh, a lot of people think about, uh, you know, an NHL level, uh, you know, communicating with uh, the older people, you know, people that are professionals is a little bit harder coming from maybe a non-playing background or something like that but I really do think at junior hockey it's it's just as hard if not harder because you have so many different personalities people are at different stages in their maturity and yeah. and just just speaking the <laughs> language even you know I, I'm only 22 but I even see a difference talking with someone that's 16 17 years old so uh, you know different things they have to consider there but uh, it's great to hear they had a positive experience your first time in hockey with uh, with Amherstburg. Yeah, they were great, and and uh, Wes Ewer was the general manager there, and and Paul Bortino is the head coach, and and they were awesome, and that was really again uh, a chance for me to sit in the room and just listen. Um, I didn't really say much. Um, I didn't really, from a hockey standpoint, have much to bring to the, the table, to be honest with you. Um, but learned a lot just sitting there, and and you know. 
they would talk about who they liked and what they saw and you know where they played or, or what they were doing wrong and then you you kind of take that you remember that moment the next game something like that happens again you're like well wait a second isn't wasn't he supposed to be here or wasn't this and then you know you can kind of uh, digest it uh, and and remember it yourself but uh, yeah that was you know for me it was a great opportunity we we got to a couple of finals uh, didn't get a chance to win one but um, it was uh, a really an introduction to a world that uh, now I, I I can't live without so yeah no it's great to hear and you know we, we move forward a little bit now uh, your next position came in marketing getting back on the media mm. side and you did some work with LaSalle and the Lakeshore Canadians. Uh, just talk about both of those roles, uh, you know, working in marketing and then also talk about your work uh, doing statistics with Lakeshore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I worked with a company uh, after I was finished with the Windsor Express. I worked at a company called Cypher Systems Group, and it, it's an insurance brokerage. Um, and so I was working with that company uh, for, for a couple of years. And, and the owners of Cypher Systems Group had owned the Lakeshore Canadians and, and the LaSalle Vipers. So there was a marketing position that was open, and, and I was fortunate enough to get it. So it was, uh, again, an opportunity to work in Junior B and Junior C. And you talk about different age groups or different uh you know different levels of hockey it, it's really not that far but it's it's big enough right and, and so um the biggest role or the biggest part of that role was was selling sponsorships so it's one thing that i'm not very good at admittedly um i didn't have sales experience um i i don't have that ability to um you know ask somebody for money, I guess is the, the, the easiest way of, of explaining it. You know, when you believe in the product and you're trying to sell the product and you're trying to support the, the community and all that, and the sales pitch is very easy. Um, for me, it's, you know, when you, when you walk into a mom and pop shop and ask for a thousand dollars, if they say, no, we just can't do it. I can't, I can't push further than that. I, I understand where they're coming from and, and that's that. So uh, that's where I struggle with the job. But again, it was an opportunity to, to learn that skill and, and try to develop that skill. And that's one I still, I still work on to this day. But again, it was an introduction to um, Lakeshore and, and LaSalle and, and afterwards, uh, after the marketing position, I'd gone back to insurance, but stayed on with uh, Lakeshore Canadians in, in the stats role and, and helping with, again, volunteers and, and getting all of that stuff coordinated. And uh, Mark Segan was the, the general manager uh, at that time. Uh, and still is, and, and Mark's been there for, for a long time and, and learned a ton from Mark, and he was extremely, uh, extremely generous with me and, and helpful with me and, and still is to this day. So I tracked stats, again, face-offs, uh, time on ice, simple things, but it, it was making a difference, and it was something that the coaches were using more and more, and, and so that was a great feeling to, to, to be involved uh, like that. And, uh, and again, was with Lakeshore for, for a few years then and, and won a couple of uh, Great Lakes and Stobbs Division uh, championships and, and didn't get the big one there, but um, they were, uh, they were again, again, an unbelievable organization and, and great experience that I had with, with Mark and, uh, and Justin Soltz uh, was a coach there and, and Justin would come into my life again uh, a few years later and Anthony Iaquinta is the head coach in, in Lakeshore uh, now and, and just phenomenal people to learn from and again just a great great time to just sit around and, and learn about the game and, and, uh, and develop those relationships. Yeah there's definitely a theme here through these positions of constant learning yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, no and it's it's good to hear and once again another opportunity to go in and do whatever you need to do and learn a little more about analytics and it could be something as simple as face-offs and time on ice but it, it really pays dividends when the coaches embrace that at any level, whether it's advanced statistics or 
basis, basic statistics are, you know, it really does make a difference when, uh, you know, your work is being applied to the game plan and it, and it makes you hungrier then to find that extra information and, and help the team win. So um, good on you for, for taking that opportunity and running with it. So, you know, you're today, you're with the Leamington Flyers as an assistant general manager. Uh, how did you find yourself in Leamington? And then just walk us through the, your time in Leamington and some of the tasks that you do uh, in your current role. Yeah, so um, Justin Soltz, I mentioned, was the head coach with uh, Lakeshore Canadians. He had uh, been uh, moved on and then become the general manager in, in Leamington in Junior B. And uh, their assistant general manager at the time uh, had left his position and, and had taken an, a different one in, uh, in Junior C. So I messaged Soltz and, and had asked if he was looking to fill that position or what he was looking to do. And, you know, it was an opportunity to to move up to, to junior B in, in a situation that I knew was, you know, a very stable and, and uh, respected organization. And I know Solzhi's a respected guy in, in hockey circles uh, down around here as well. So uh, it was a great opportunity to, to join them. Uh, this past year was my first year uh, in, in Leamington. And, you know, again, it's a, it's an all encompassing kind of position. So I was helping with, with some of the, the contracts, uh, organizing some, um, scheduling and, and things like that, uh, and then uh, tracking stats during games, um, working with with Justin some some scouting uh, areas and, and those types of things as, as the season goes along. And you know we we develop that kind of back and forth relationship where uh, he now knows what I'm capable of or, or where I, he can challenge me and and you know give me some some additional roles as it as it goes along. So again, just like everybody else, unfortunately, it got sh cut short this year, and, and we. Uh, we really felt good about the team that we had built last year and, and we're really just starting to, to peak, I think. So uh, it was a difficult summer for, for us and, and for everybody to, to be away from that and, and uh, you know, to, to see where we were and where we were going for. But as I mentioned before, we started here and the chance to, to go out with everybody again last weekend uh, and, uh, and, and now we're, we're all <laughs> fired up and, and ready to go again. So, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a great, it's been a great learning experience in Leamington. Cam Crowder is the head coach there um, and Cam was a fantastic guy to just, again, sit and listen to and, and when you get the opportunity to, hey, can you do this for me or can you look into this or whatever it would be, um, you know, uh, getting a chance to jump at that, uh, doing it right and, and you know, gaining more responsibility as you go along. Yeah, no, that's a great point to make. And I, I've said it multiple times on the podcast throughout the episode. So how much I enjoyed my time in junior B and the GOJHL specifically, uh, there's so many great people in that level. And uh, you really do see the passion in the game for people who are uh, like yourself, you know, going in there again, doing whatever you need them to do and, and taking on the added responsibilities and are hungry to do more uh, game in and game out. And, at a level where you have a lot of players maybe looking for junior, uh, you have some, you know, 16-year-old prospects, a lot of them looking to make that jump very soon. And at the same time, you have some guys that are looking for college routes and some guys are just there to enjoy playing some hockey with for your sure. friends at a, at a very competitive level. So um, it's another level where you really have to learn those communication skills and, and different approaches with different players. But, uh, you know, when you're open and, and again, willing to do whatever it takes, uh, it can be very beneficial and, just as much as the players uh, benefiting and learning at that level, uh, coaches and managers can do the same. Moving in now into some more reflective things. Uh, one of the things that you talked about is the transferable skills. You know, the communication was one that you touched on that was very key. Uh, you know, looking at hockey operations and, and business operations uh, that you've been involved in both, 
you know, what are some of those skills that you feel are just as beneficial on the business side as they are on say, the hockey operations side? Yeah, you know, communications is obviously uh, one of the biggest ones for, for me. Versatility, I think, is, is another thing that um, you know, is, is a really, I don't know how you can define that as a tool. Um, I don't know how you develop that as a, as a skill, really. It is something that you, know, you, you, I think, develop as you do it. Um, so, you know, the chance to be able to, to do, um, be able to work on the admin or the contract side and, or do that, do some scouting as well. You know, getting involved with the players and in, in more of a, a relationship with them, helping out the trainers, uh, you know, whatever else you can do. It's it's not necessarily just saying yes to everything and, and overwhelming yourself, and and now you're you're juggling a bunch of things, and something's going to fall, and, and it all kind of uh, um, you know, it goes to goes down the, the drain from there. But um, you know, being able to uh, to to do those different types of things in the organization. I think that one of the dangerous things that, that happens with, with people that are, are coming up in the, in the ranks is, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a hockey scout. Um, okay. It, what, what else can you do? Because there are a lot of people that can watch hockey. There's a lot of people that can tell this player is a good player. This player is not a good player. I like this the speed on this kid is good, you know, project however you want to think. But if that's the only thing that you can bring to the table, you're not bringing a lot, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, that's a key component, obviously. If, if that's the job that you're applying for is to be a scout for this team, then sure, you should obviously be exceptional at that job. But being able to do communications or to be able to, to do some sales uh, or community relations or marketing, those types of things, I, I think hold their weight for a lot of organizations, especially on the junior level that, you know, we don't have full-time staff. We don't have, you know, assistance to the traveling secretary, like you, you see in, in the NHL or major league baseball or anything like that. So being able to, to, you know, be okay yourself with doing the laundry after practice, uh, but also signing players or scouting or doing this and that, I think is, is extremely valuable especially when you're, when you're just looking to, uh, to get into uh, an organization at that kind of level. Yeah, you definitely have to be willing to get your hands dirty. And uh, Junior, like you said, is a perfect example. Uh, you know, when you can offer skill set A, B, and C, even though your job title only covers one of those, uh, the versatility is very key. Uh, during my time with the Newfoundland Growlers, you know, I was a hockey operations intern, but very quickly when I got in there, I realized, um, you know, there was going to be some different roles. I was counting gear in the in the equipment room and, and doing some mascot appearances and all these different things, but it's, uh, it really is just the nature of the game. And, and when you take it with that right approach, it can uh, give back to you in, in more ways that you give to it. So uh, I think that's a great point to talk about between uh, hockey operations and business operations. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for the Windsor Express, uh, the, the time that I was with them, you know, I, like I said, I was doing a lot of stuff with the players and, and just coordinating that kind of stuff. But, you know, we, we had four or five people on staff. I mean, we were all selling tickets, you know, we, whether we knew it or not, you know, I take the players to a, a visit at school while you're, you're interacting with the teachers, you're, you know, you're giving tickets to the kids to come to the next game who are also going to bring their parents who you're trying to sell the game to. Um, you know, we're introducing a sport to a, a city in, in a sense, you know, uh, at that level. So, you know, we, we've got to be able to, to talk the talk when we're out there. If somebody asks us about our team or how do we get tickets or, you know, have you ever done thought of something like this? Or, how do, you know, you, you have to be able to, to, to digest that information and, 
and use it and, and be able to, to, to speak the language because you're really, you know, in, in, in all those kind of positions, you're, you're getting four or five different types of experiences without really even knowing it. And, and that's where being able to, to learn those things and, and be able to you know, sell tickets to this person, but also be able to, to get a, a charity involved and, and have that kind of out of the box thinking is, is huge. Yeah, I like that point about having those skills, but at the same time, not really knowing that you're learning those skills until, you know, you get that question on the street where you're really putting that, you know, selling tickets into action or something like that. But um, at the same time, as working in business and hockey operations have ties, um, you know, when we're scouting, we love the, you know, multi-sport athletes. You see it at every level. Mm. People love that diversity in their, in their uh, you know, approach to sports and things like that. As someone who's worked in baseball, basketball, hockey, and, you know, who knows in the future what else you'll dive into. Um, <laughs> what are, uh, what are, how important do you think it is to be open to working and, and interacting with these different sports and taking things away from each of them equally? You know, I, I think it's crucial. I, I think it's really important from, from every level. And uh, you have had a number of guests on, on the podcast already that played baseball in the summer and, and hockey in the winter or were involved in a different sport before they were in hockey or, or, or both. Um, and I made the comment earlier, you know, the, the players are different. The, um, their mindsets are different. Uh, the parents are different. All of those different types of, of things. But again, in the grassroots, Everybody, as far as the team, is, is trying to have a positive experience for the kid, uh, a winning environment and creating that type of thing, uh, community impact and, and outreach. And the parents want what's best for their kids and the kids want to have a great experience. And, and I don't think that changes uh, at all, depending on, on what sport you're, you're working with. So, so being able to recognize that and, and kind of develop um, that type of mindset within whatever organization you're with, I, I think that works for you and girl guides i would think it works for you in, in sports and, and and everything in between yeah and i think another even comparison you can make to that is the way uh, a new player goes into a team you know in the ohl if you're a 16 year old uh maybe a first line center or something like that at the level before but you go in you accept your role as a fourth line four checker or a bottom pairing defenseman or or whatever it may be and really work your way up in the same way at the nhl level you work your way through the echl ahl and um while it's all usually in that case one sport unless you're someone like Michael Jordan uh you know you're you're taking something away from every level and and experiencing it and, and that's the way that I see uh people who go through different sports you just experience the culture of the sport and, and the lessons you can learn in it and sometimes they're sport specific and a lot of times they're not it's it's things about people and communication and uh you know very various cultural things and things like that for certain sports but a uh, number of great takeaways that you can get from basketball, baseball, hockey, and a long list of uh, different sports that are out there. Yeah, and that, that's everywhere. That's not just necessarily sports, right? I mean, if you get involved in, uh, in a charity, uh, if you volunteer your time with, with the elderly or the disabled or kids or animals or anything like that, you know, the, the, the idea behind it is always, is always the, for the most part, the same. Um, and, and it's just being able to pick up different intricacies uh, along the way and, and put them in your toolbox. And I don't think there's, you know, ever a, a situation that you, you can develop or you can have too many skills. Um, you know, uh, finance is not a, a peak for me. So it's something that I'm, I'm working on right now. And, you know, economics, those types of things, uh, leadership, you're always trying to learn from the people that are around you and, and from people that, you know, you aspire to or, or look up to. So 
you know, having those kind of uh, people impact you on a day-to-day basis, but also going after it yourself and trying to find, you know, what are things that I feel like are going to be something that would be valuable to me down the road. And if it's hockey, great. If it's, uh, you know, your other career, great. Um, but it's, it's always, always learning and, and always just putting another, uh, another tool in the toolbox. Yeah. That proactive learning approach is so key. And for people that progress, uh, you know, to the highest level and, and people that I'm sure me and you admire from afar, uh, those people are always looking for new ways to get ahead and, and stay ahead in that regard. And whether it be business or hockey or any sport that they're in. So, you know, that progressive learning often comes through different resources that people see uh, in society. For sure. Uh, you know, books, articles, podcasts like this, hopefully, um, are ways that people <laughs> learn uh, on a daily basis. For you personally, what are some of your favorite uh, resources that you like to uh, get ideas on, whether it be sports or life in general? Yeah, I'm a big book guy. Uh, so, you know, a, a lot of books uh, on, on different kinds of topics. My, one of my favorite books is Mike Babcock's book, uh, Leave No Doubt. I, I think I've read that three or four times at least. And it's something that I've realized I can't read before I go to bed because it excites me so much that, uh, you know, I, I want to get out of bed and I'm emailing people or I'm texting people and, you know, and, and I lose track of it just because of, of what a, you know, an exciting and, and, and powerful book it is. Um, but some of the coaching books, uh, Craig Custon's new book, uh, Behind the Bench is a great one that I just read not that long ago. And then I, I'm a uh, big into, um, motivational um, works, inspiring, that type of thing, uh, leadership ideas. So, you know, Tim Grover's Relentless is a phenomenal book. Um, Mark Manson, I, I can't say the full title of the book, but the, the subtle art of not giving a, uh, <laughs> is uh, a, good, a good book as well. So those kind of things. And then as far as podcasts are concerned, Executive Access is, is one of my favorites. Um, I think Mark Feinzant does an unbelievable job with, with that one. Um, Positive University is one that I've just gotten into the last little bit with John Gordon, uh, who wrote The Energy Bus. Um, it always, uh, I forget the other book that he had done with, with Mike Smith at the time, but uh, it starts in the locker room or, or something along those lines is what it's called. But it's a very inspiring, you know, how do you challenge yourself? How do you get better uh, um, in, in those, just life in general, you know, is, is what they're, they're talking about. And, and, you know, honestly, Ryan, the, the Hockey Minds podcast is, is phenomenal. What you're, what you're doing, you know, a couple of times a week now is, is introducing somebody to a group of listeners that they would not have known before creating a connection to them and, and you grow attached to the people that are on that show. And, and you're, you're not only doing that, but you're, you're giving the, the people that are listening to the show something to aspire to, you know, I, I'm to be able to, to have this conversation with you. Like I, I said at the beginning, it, it's been a great story and, and I've been really reflective the last couple of days before we recorded this of, of what I've been able to, to do and, and what I've seen and, um, it, it means a lot to people that they get the opportunity to be intra- introduced into, you know, an average Joe that that's just uh, worked uh, worked hard enough to to be lucky to to be in a position like this and, and be kind of influential in that way. So I think you're doing a great job with this. I really, uh, uh, as a guest now and uh, <laughs> an avid listener, um, I, I you know I think you're doing a great thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I really appreciate those comments, but. Uh, you know, it's really great to get people like yourself who uh, have a story and, and have so many great insights, uh, you know, on here to talk about your career. And uh, you mentioned a number of great references there and uh, definitely a lot of learning points from that. So through the books and, and things that you referenced there as well, uh, there's a lot of major lessons that you can, you know, take away from those things and 
and through interactions as well. Uh, just talk about some of the major lessons that you've learned thus far in your career and, uh, you know, continue to use on a, a daily basis in work and in life in general. For sure. Um, you know, for, for me, it, it comes to the point where um, if there's something that you're really passionate about that you really do want to, you know, whether it's getting into sports or, you know, anything uh, along those lines, um, learning about it, reading about it, listening to the podcast and all that is, is great. But th there does come a time where you, where you really have to put yourself out there um, for, for you to achieve something that you want that um, is a, a dream or a goal. There is a, a time you're going to have to do something that's uncomfortable to you, uh, whether that's picking up the phone and, and calling somebody or, or walking up to somebody at the rink and introducing yourself, um, you know, sending a message, sending an email, something like that, being proactive that way. It's, there's going to be a time where you got to pull the trigger on that. And, and for me, that was something that I, I you know, I feel good about. Um, you know, most of the positions that I've come up with um, aren't things that, that anybody was coming to find me. Um, I had to go and, and find them. So, um, you know, being able to, to put yourself out there, um, being confident enough in, in yourself that you feel like you can be an impact positive to an organization and, and make that introduction, uh, make that call, send that message, whatever it is. Uh, there, is there is a time where, where you really have to step outside your comfort zone, whatever it is, and, and go for it. I think that's one of the biggest things that, that I've learned and, and continue to learn. Uh, you know, one of my, my favorite sayings um, is, uh, you didn't wake up today to be mediocre. Uh, and I've got that on my desk uh, right in front of me every morning. Um, you know, I, I didn't wake up this morning to just kind of shrug through it. And, you know, you know, what would be great is if I was John Cooper or, if, you know, I was Steve Eiserman or something like that. Uh, that doesn't fly. Uh, you know, nobody's, nobody's coming to find me. And, I, and I've got that mindset and I, I feel that myself. And that's a challenge to myself that, you know, maybe one day the phone will call and, or the phone will ring and, and somebody will be interested in um, joining me, joining their, their team. But until that point, I, I have to make the introductions. I have to show myself uh, off. I have to sell myself basically to, to these teams and, and these organizations and, and create these opportunities myself. And you, you have to do that. You have to have that self-motivation to get out there and, and experience those things and, and take those chances. Yeah. It's like a player uh, taking the extra effort in practice and things like that. You really have to go that extra mile and, and reach out and, and go through those uncomfortable situations to, to make those key connections and, you know, when you finally do get the door open and you're able to walk in, a lot of times the person who's opening it on the other side is a mentor or somebody that sees something in you. Uh, throughout your career, uh, you mentioned a couple of different names of people you've interacted with, but maybe just uh, once again, name some of the mentors who have helped you uh, succeed, whether it be in baseball, basketball, hockey, et cetera, and, uh, you know, have helped you get to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as far as the radio uh, side of things, uh, from from the very beginning, uh, Manny Pava and, and Fred Wallace uh, and Owen Sound were were incredible to me, and, and I still learn a ton from Freddie every time we we get to call a, uh, an attack game uh, when we're we're down here. You know, we get to spend a couple hours with him uh, before in the the media room, and and then get to call the game with him. And, and every time I leave, uh, I've learned something. And that's not necessarily just how to call a good game. It's you know how to and interact with coaches, interact with fans, uh, you know, uh, carry yourself as a professional. He, he marks all of those, those things off. Um, and then, you know, Mark Segan in, in Lakeshore, Wes Ewer in, in Amherstburg, uh, 
Justin Soltz in, in Leamington, guys that I've reported to that I've learned a ton from and in the coaching staffs that, that they hold and, and those people that I was able to be introduced at through those times. Um, I think you can learn something from everybody. I, I, you know, I think you get an opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody and, you know, it might be uh, the trainer. It, it might be um, another team's uh, assistant coach, uh, you know, it, I think you, if your your mind's open and, and you're you know interest, introduced to different perspectives, I think uh, anybody you come across, whether it's sports or not, you can learn something from. Yeah, that's a, a tremendous point to make there that uh, you really don't know where the lessons are going to come from or or what people are going to influence you in your life and, and help you progress. But um, you know, from working in hockey and other sports, you can really tell that everybody that you interact with, uh, for the most part, anyway. Uh, really do want to see other people succeed and are there to lend a helping hand and, you know, steer the ship when it, uh, when it maybe is going in the wrong direction. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes from simple advice that you're given to, from these people. And uh, as a final question, as you know, I asked everybody, yeah. um, if you have one final piece of advice that you could give someone, maybe yourself back in the day, who's looking to get in hockey operations, but maybe in your case and other sports as well, uh, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them? You know, the biggest thing for, for me, and again, it, I reiterated before, is, is take, take a chance. You know, um, reach out to somebody and you don't know what's going to happen. One of the great stories that I've got that I get to tell um, was, uh, you know, I was feeling particularly bold one day and, and called the Detroit Red Wings front office and asked to talk to Ken Holland. You know, of, of course, there's little old means never heard of before. And the receptionist is asking if it's for a school project. And no, I'm, it's not. It's, I just want to talk to Ken Holland. So, um, you know, I, I left a message and made a joke about it. Well, two hours later, I'm driving down the street and my, um, my Bluetooth goes off and it's a 313 phone number, which is the Michigan area code. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, there's, there's no way. So I pull off into a Petro-Canada gas station that's right on the corner. This is the first driveway I could find. Hey, Matt, it's Ken Holland. How are you? I had an hour conversation with the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings, and, and he didn't know me. He didn't owe me anything. Um, but it was a great conversation uh, from a, a hockey genius uh, and somebody that you know I, I grew up idolizing and and you know to have that opportunity just for that hour you know I, I never got a chance to meet with him again uh, or talk to him uh, but but the the things that I learned from that uh, you know I, number one uh, it's an unbelievable motivator the the hockey industry itself is is such a a tight-knit open community um, that you'll get calls back from people like that and you know if you don't it doesn't mean they don't have the time for you or, or don't want to help or whatever it is it, it might just not work but um, you know I wouldn't have had that chance if, if I hadn't have, have challenged myself to, to make that call um, when I first started getting into to sports I, I had a little um, notebook that I, I kept every day and Every day, I'd write down um, the, on the front of the notebook. I wrote, "What did you do today to put yourself in a position to be successful?" So every day was, you know, I emailed three people, or I called this person, or I, you know, uh, sent a message to this person. I went and watched a hockey game and, and took some notes on a player, and might be something that I can send to somebody down the road. You know, all of those things mean something, and and putting the time in and, and putting in the work like that to me is, is, is huge. And, you know, when you get an opportunity to, to join a team, um, you know, my, my biggest thing is, is um, to learn as much as you can be open to doing as much as you can and just be a positive impact uh, on, on winning. Um, 
Chris Ballard, who's the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. I, I'm not a huge football fan, and, and unfortunately, we don't have a, a pro team here we, to watch. We just have the Detroit Lions, so um, <laughs> which doesn't really qualify in most years. So um, I, I've gotten into Indianapolis because I, I like the way he talks. I like his approach and, and, you know, everything that happened with their head coach when Josh McDaniels was signed and then didn't show up. It was the first introduction that I, I had to him. And one of the, the great videos that I saw of him talking to his coaching staff before um, training camp was, was that uh, everybody in this room impacts winning. And those are valuable people. And whether you're selling tickets or you're cleaning the locker rooms or you're, you're finding draft picks for next year uh, or you know, whatever it is, if, you're, if you have a positive impact on winning, you'll be able to spend a long career in, in hockey and, and get a chance to meet a ton of great people and, and have some great experiences and, and win and lose and feel what that's like every time you do it. And, and you know, it's, it's uh, certainly something that, that I treasure and, and continue to, to, to grow at and, and hope to, uh, to be part of my life uh, as long as I'm here. Yeah, a great point. And I think any time that you can generate positive results at any level, the opportunities will come. And uh, we've heard a lot of great stories on this podcast, but I think uh, getting a call back from Kenny Holland is definitely one of those that yeah. will stand out. And, and I mean, it, you know, it, like I said, he, he didn't owe me anything. It was a call that I had just placed to be like, you know what, it would be great to just get something, you know, from, from Ken Holland and, you know, to have that opportunity was, uh, was incredible. And, you know, you, you again, build those relationships with people and, and not to say that I, I built that relationship with, with Ken Holland, but Ken Holland was generous enough with his time that, you know, you, you feel good about, about yourself and, and what you're trying to do. You know, the biggest, the other biggest thing that I'd, I'd learned through the way, if, if I can sneak this in here, Ryan is, is basically to, to control or, or I guess worry about what you can control. Um, that was something that was big for me um, when I first started hockey uh, for two major points. Uh, I, you know, I've never played an organized hockey game in my life. Um, and I was a little bit older, you know, I, I'm, I'm 38 now. I'll be 39 in, in December. And, uh, you know, I, you know, you've got young kids like yourself or kids that are going through sports management uh, programs that are, have that education behind them and they're coming out and they're 23 and they're interning with the Red Wings or the Maple Leafs or, or whatever it is. Um, it, end of the day, I, you know, that was intimidating for me. It probably put me off a little bit and, and kept me back from, from going after that. But end of the day, I can't change my age. I, I can't change the fact that I never played hockey. So that turns into a mindset of, I've just got to work harder. I've just got to be, you know, more outgoing. I've got to meet more people. I've got to, you know, challenge myself more maybe because I don't have those kind of connections. And, and that's, you know, been something that's been key for me, um, you know, to, to put away the things that you you can't control if you don't get uh, a job interview as the the general manager of, of the Tampa Bay Lightning it doesn't mean you've failed if, if you know if, if you've gone after it and the phone didn't ring then you know you can't control who's going to get hired for those positions but if you've put yourself in a position to be successful uh, and you feel good about the things that you've done then you've you've won uh, for for yourself and that that to me is is the ultimate thing yeah, and it's a tremendous point and a tremendous comment and so much to learn from that last bit. And I think a lot of people will have uh, some very key takeaways to move forward in their own careers. Uh, Matt, I just want to thank you once again. It's always a lot of fun talking with you and talking hockey and baseball and basketball. And 
I always feel like, uh, you know, we could sit here for hours and hours and talk and, <laughs> and maybe, uh, yeah, you know, who knows where, uh, where things will go in the future, but uh, I'm sure there is uh, multiple steps uh, coming for you and I'm excited to follow your career uh, in the near future. So once again, thank you for taking some time to join me and all the best moving forward. Thanks a lot, Ryan. And again, I appreciate everything that you're, you're doing, putting this podcast together and the, the hard work that you're doing and, and the guests that you've had on, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it it's a great, it's a great gift, really. What what you're giving to the the hockey community and, and the opportunity that uh, that these people, guests that you've had have, have been able to to inspire the younger people to hopefully take that next move uh, or you know chase after that hockey goal. You know, we're we're really not on this earth very long, unfortunately. And and you know if it's if hockey is is where you live and hockey is what you want to be involved in, um, you know your podcast certainly has inspired people to to take that step and, and hopefully make those connections. So um, I hope that uh, in some way I'd be able to do the same for somebody. And, and you know, I, I really appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, thank you very much. Take care. I'd like to thank Matt for joining me on the podcast once again, and for sharing his own insight and story this time around. I think in addition to his stories, Matt did a great job at presenting the lessons he learned through the experiences, so for that I'd like to thank him once again. If you would like to get in touch with Matt to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Mike Johnson, Head Coach, General Manager, and Vice President with the Portland Winterhawks. Mike is an experienced hockey mind with a resume that includes time in the NHL and the Olympics, so you will not want to miss out on this one. As a closing statement, I want to again thank everyone for supporting the podcast, and please continue to interact with the podcast on social media as we look to improve over time. As always, stay safe, and all the best.